So hello and welcome to the Sustainable Leading Edge. I'm Kate Cacciatore, Head of Sustainability at Figbytes, the sustainability data management platform that connects data with purpose. Before I introduce you to my guest today, here's some context about the purpose of this podcast series and some of the questions and themes it sets out to explore. As we face major global challenges, such as the effects of climate change, water shortages and biodiversity loss, in addition to social inequalities, conflict and threats to food security, there is growing awareness today across all stakeholder groups that business with its global clout has to do more than incrementally improve its sustainability performance. The systemic changes that are needed to help us shift to a net positive, regenerative, inclusive economy and society are massive. They will require unprecedented collaborative efforts of the private and public sectors, of civil society and citizens to find new business and consumption models, innovative products and services, groundbreaking policies, financing mechanisms and partnerships. This podcast invites business, sustainability, civil society and public sector leaders to share their experience on the leading edge of the sustainability transition. What motivates them to act and innovate in this space? What is their vision and how are they working towards it? What have they learned about what works and what's holding us back? How do they stay strong and resilient when faced with adversity? And what kind of mindset shift do they think will be necessary to bring about the changes we want to see in the world? My guest today is Jessica Jones, Sustainability Manager at Bueller Group. Bueller Group is a global family-owned Swiss company that creates equipment and technology for food processing and mobility solutions and is driven by its purpose of bringing innovations for a better world. In addition to her operational role in Bueller Group, Jessica is also Managing Director of One Young World Switzerland. One Young World is a civil society organisation that has flourished into a global youth movement dedicated to empowering and developing young leaders to build a fair, sustainable future for all. One of Bueller Group's key innovations, which we'll be hearing about today, is its courageous willingness to invite its employees and particularly young leaders to actively participate in shaping how sustainability is embedded in the company's core business as an expression of its purpose. So Jessica, welcome and thank you for being my guest on the podcast today and being willing to explore the leading edge of the sustainability transition with me. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. Wonderful. So perhaps we can get started by um, talking a little bit about your role in Bueller Group and a little bit also about what you do in One Young World Switzerland and telling us a little bit about what is it about the work you do that gives you a sense of purpose and that motivates you? Yeah, of course. I mean, I first came into contact with Bula, uh around around five or six years ago through actually one of the partnership programs that they uh, work with called the Unitech program. It's a um, an engineering development program for students in Europe. And what really struck me as soon as I met the people who were yeah, working with us was how how passionate they were about what they were working on, whether it was the future of food technology or um, flour milling or uh, yeah, IT development, Wh whatever job they had, whatever function, wherever they were working in the business, they were super excited to share what they were working on. And the beautiful thing about, about Bula is that Every day, billions of people come into contact with uh, technologies or, or products that are developed on our solutions. 
whether that's in in the food industry, also feed for animals, and also uh, in the in the mobility industry. Genuinely, this happens. the The technology that um, that we work on is needed all over the world. From yeah, the cereal that you eat in the morning to the coffee that you drink to the beer that you you drink at night. The way that your glass on your phone is coated or the glasses you wear. Mm-hmm. And this is wow. what really attracts me. This is what really attracted me to the company because if if they really if we really have this opportunity, then we also have the responsibility to do something purposeful and meaningful and positive with that. So uh, I think as a company, it's quite easy for us to have a to have a purpose and a sense of purpose. But also at the same time, the people that then work for Bula um, that work with me make that extra special and uh, that's that's the purpose i have so i'm very fortunate at bula to have currently two roles um the first role is is an internal role as sustainability manager as you mentioned so i'm responsible for um defining the strategy along with our chief operations uh, officer for sustainability in our manufacturing logistics and procurement uh, which is very much talking about us as a company um what are we doing as role models? You know, you need to start with your own house. What are we doing um, for ourselves before we start talking about what we're doing with our customers? Yeah. And um, this is a really exciting opportunity to, first of all, understand what impact we have in sustainability, but then also to reduce the impact that we have. And then on top of that, uh, I'm recently able to work, as you said, as a managing director for One Young World Switzerland, um, which is something that's supported by Bula, but, but it's external to Bula. Uh, and this is really about developing young leaders and the amazing work that they're doing in Switzerland. So you talked about um, what One Young World does um, on a global level, and the goal of One Young World Switzerland is exactly to translate that into the local level so that we can put more of a spotlight uh, on the amazing things that are happening inside of Switzerland and then at the same time, really develop local initiatives in, in local dialect for communities in Switzerland. Um, Switzerland is a lot of brilliant small and medium enterprises. This is kind of the bread and butter yeah. of, of Switzerland. And with that, we have a real opportunity to fully embed the sustainable development goals and sort of really lead the way in, in these topics that are so important in the future going forward. So. I feel uh, almost like I'm dreaming sometimes to have these two jobs. They really complement each other very well uh, because on the sustainability management side, we really need to understand the latest legislation, the latest guidance, the latest technical aspects of sustainability. And on the, the One Young World side, we're, we're looking at sort of the inspiration part and the, the impact that young leaders are having across the, com- the country. So. Yeah, it's a it's a great balance and having those two things. I mean, that that's purpose enough. That's what gets me up in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I imagine it must be a challenge to have two what could be potentially two full time jobs uh, alongside one another. But by the sound of it, there is this incredible sweet spot between um, taking that inspiration and its capacity to um, bring about and unleash innovation in the company, um, you know, engaging people through that kind of leadership and we'll be talking a bit today I think about some of the processes that Bula has put in place to institutionalize that innovation and that inspiration Um, but 
I think it's an amazing opportunity, as you say. And I'd be interested to know a little bit about because I think you started as an engineer, right? That's what you said. So um, your own sustainability journey, um, was it a kind of straight path or a winding path? How did you go from um, engineering to sustainability? And was it something that you you knew from the outset you wanted to do or you stumbled into it? I'm, I'm curious to know a bit more about that. That's a great question. Uh, I think particularly because at the moment, when you look at the sustainability field, you find a lot of young people working in it. It seems to be um, quite a sort of high, high profile topic at the moment. But I would say if I look um, retrospectively, it seems like quite a straight path. But at the time going through it, it definitely felt like a winding path. So I, I never sort of set an intentional goal to work in sustainability. Um, but if I look back, then fundamentally, it was the core values that were driving every opportunity that I took. So I think this is the same with also a lot, a lot of uh, yeah, colleagues that I work with. As you said, I, I studied civil engineering um, in the UK and sustainability was definitely a part of, of the course. Um, it was something important to think about. But when we talked about sustainability back then, it was not so long ago, but I think the, the climate that we're in has changed quite a lot. Mm -hmm. When we talked about sustainability back then, it was sort of like, yeah, can we can we put some wind turbines on the top of our building and um, not really looking at the full picture of of sustainability and the way that each of the sustainable development goals are interlinked. So when I took my my first uh, job, I guess, at, um, at Brula, my first role, I was conscious of sustainability. Sustainability is a really important topic for us and, and has been. I've really felt that ever since I joined the company. But I wasn't necessarily focusing specifically on it. It was mm -hmm. sort of more of something that was, um, yeah, a nice to have that was an addition. Mm. And over time, I realized more and more that I needed to understand this topic better. And I mean, as a side note, I really believe that the vision of sustainability is not that you have dedicated people working on sustainability. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it should be like finance. It should be like costs. Everybody has to think about that all of the time. Everybody has the basic knowledge to understand how they work and what the frameworks are. Um, but yeah, you maybe need a few people to do controlling and finance and set the strategy. But otherwise, everybody understands it. That's how I really viewed it. Yeah. But I realized during my career that um, because the topic is evolving so quickly, I wanted to focus more specifically on it so that we could raise the profile of it um, in the company in order to be able to achieve and get to that point. Right. Yeah. So that makes sense. It's not it's not been a winding path, really. It's, it was sort of one step to the next. And it's always been an underlying topic. But um, but it has felt a bit like that at times. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's a fascinating story. And um, you mentioned something there about the values driving your um, path, I guess, and what you're choosing to do. And I I think that that's probably a key thing in the context of Bula and its culture and the way that it's gone about structuring um, its governance. So it would be interesting just to hear briefly about the Bula values and how that connects also in with the governance and the fact that um, this is a family owned company, because I think 
in a way that might be a key to understanding how fertile ground has been created for people like you in the company to and we'll come on to that shortly about you know exactly how that process of engaging employees worked but perhaps you could just talk a little bit about the the values and that context yeah of course and being family owned is something that is really important to us i mean we are still yeah family owned currently by the the three bula sisters and um you you feel that governance um i think in every every part of the company that i've worked in so the fact that we're a family owned company means that innovation and sustainability have always been important to us they've always been key values Buller is 160 years old now. And when you look at the history and the timeline, you can see that um, this kind of long-term thinking uh, about what, what is the next innovation and what do we need to do to be able to support our employees to find that? And yeah, how, how do we think about future generations? How do we think about the sustainability of our company and the impact on the communities that we're working in? You can see this in, in the timeline. Um, because that's how the family have have always thought about the strategy. And I mean, in addition to that, it also means that we've always thought about the next generation. It's, it's in our DNA to think about mm. yeah, the, the future generations and who we're passing the company on to, obviously in a literal sense for the family, but also in a, in a metaphorical sense for, for the company. And um, and to do that, you need to also listen to the next generation and understand what their needs are. So I think it's really part of part of the DNA of the company. And I feel very fortunate to work in, in a company that is family owned with such a such a clear vision. And we have defined values. Um, we, we recently sort of refreshed them. But I think they stick really brilliantly. And a, a word that we often uh, crops up in different parts of the company is top. And mm. I mean, you could, in one sense, think of that as being uh, yeah, sort of the winner or the elite. But for us, I think it really just means we want to be at the top of our game. Uh, we, mm. want to, we want to play to win and we want to hold ourselves also to, to t- play our part and uh, and hold each other accountable for it. Mm. And that's that's the most efficient way to work together, I think, from from my experience is is when you really trust your team and your colleagues around. So these are these are our company values. Yeah. I really like that. And I think that um, companies talk a lot about values um, and how they tie in with the strategy, et cetera. But it's no easy feat to put them into practice on a on a daily basis. Right. So I think it's it's an intangible. It's very difficult to even measure and evaluate. Um, but it's absolutely fundamental from from my experience and from what you're saying. I think um, you would agree with that um, to being able to achieve innovation that is good for the business exactly yeah and and we're not perfect right no no company is no person is and um it's a it's a continuous journey to really live these values and and to take a step back sometimes and reflect on on situations or uh yeah topics and say are we really are we really living up to these Mm -hmm. values but if you really do, if you do trust the people around and you really do have this sort of common purpose that, that everyone is working towards, then then you can be honest with each other and, and you can provide this feedback. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I really want to talk today about um, what I heard you speak about when we first met, uh, when I first saw you speak, and Ian, um, your chief technology officer um, at the 2030 uh, showcase event in Lausanne in June. And so I heard you talking about the invitation that Bula had opened up for its employees to participate, and especially the young generation, in reviewing the company strategy and um, having a voice in determining what that strategy should look like going into the future and how the company needed to adapt in order to live up to the expectations of its in particular, it's younger employees about the kind of company they work, want to work for and the kind of world they want to live in. I found this incredibly inspiring. And um, I remember you talking in particular about harnessing the energy and talent of young leaders and the power of partnership and networks, which really struck me and resonated with me. And also the power of open dialogue to bring about culture change um, and embed sustainability through passion, open mindedness and fresh perspectives. And all of that just really spoke to me. And I just thought it would be wonderful to invite you to share that story with the people who'll be listening to this podcast so that other people can benefit from it. Yeah, totally. Um, I think that was a really interesting event that we were at because, yeah, we were really talking about how to how to actually achieve sustainability, how to really embed it into your into your company. And um, those two points that you mentioned, I mean, partnership and um and and engaging the entire organization are are fundamental i think to be able to to go on this journey um so if i if i start with the topic of sort of partnerships i mean this is something that the bula is very passionate about we know that in order to achieve the the magnitude of challenges that we're faced with mm-hmm. we can't we can't do it alone we're not so arrogant as to think that we are the the one person that's going to be able to solve this we um we need to partner with the right people and uh as i said the the program that i came to get to know bula from is is a great example of one of the partnerships that we have so looking at um yeah the future generation and um what uh what talent can we bring into the organization how can we also support that talent to understand what it's like to work in a in a corporate environment um yeah in and and work tangibly on these topics these challenges and the solutions for them and also partnerships where you know we need other expertise so maybe that's in um, being able to provide the complete solution to a customer so that they can um, improve on the the sustainability of the product that they're producing or also um, looking more at uh, systemic changes as well you know mm-hmm. so how can we um, partner with other organizations that are, have a similar purpose and vision to us to be able to um, support a, a system change as well? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I mean, as well as that, uh, we want to be able to support the, the organizations that are that are pushing the boundaries of sustainability. So. I mean, that's one of the reasons we were we were at the showcase 2030, right? It's because um, the the Tech for Impact for us are great organisations that are really driving that. There were some brilliant startups there as well, and organisations like um, like Restore um, out of the the Crowther Lab from ETH and and Climeworks. Obviously, we really want to partner partner with these companies and support each other so that um, we can all achieve what we 
yeah, what we're aiming to. Mm-hmm. Um, so partnership is really something that uh, for me as a as a slightly newer employee than some uh, some other employees at Bula, really we have people who have worked here their entire life. Um, yeah. Partnerships is is something that we're always looking at, uh, particularly in the sustainability job. How can we leverage on this this knowledge from other people? And then if we talk about engaging the young generation, I mean, this I think is a great time to introduce Generation B. Yeah. Um, this is the internal employee-driven movement that we have with the the vision of shaping the company that we want to work for. And um, it was born uh, seven, six, seven years ago uh, after Bula sent a delegation of young leaders to um, a One Young World Summit. This is a, a kind of a conference that happens annually and it's a convening of around 2000 people, young leaders uh, from around the world, literally from every country in the world. Uh, and uh, the employees came back and uh, they said, yeah, we had a, a really great time. It was really inspiring. And the, the Bula management turned around and said to them, yeah, OK, so what are we going to do? And um, they really said that they wanted to bring this spirit of, of One Young World into the organisation and translate it into what it means for Bula. And they said that the way that they want to do this is through Generation B. And Generation B stands for for Generation Bula or Generation Be the Change. Right. Um, so it's really about everyone. It's it's not just about young leaders. Um, we need intergenerational collaboration to be able to work on these topics. So um, this uh, movement was born. And now uh, we have ambassadors in every region that we work in. Um, we have engagement from over, I think, 4,000 employees last year attending one of the events that was hosted, trying to raise awareness for topics that aren't already on our gen- or on our agenda. So sort of having, having that open mind um, and providing a, a space and almost a brand for employees to work on topics that they're passionate about, to be able mm. to develop the organisation. And also to support the, the strategy and the purpose that Bula has. So uh, one of our executive board members or former executive board men- members, uh, Deepak Manu, always used to say, say that um, it's not enough to just set uh, a strategy from the top down. You need mm-hmm. to also bubble it up. Um, and this is really kind of how we how we try to live Generation B is is taking the important points of the strategy and where we want to support and and bubbling it up through the organization, through every employee, no matter where they work or what they do um, or what their background is. Um, yeah, it, giving that inspiration and the tools that they can also work on these topics. And through Generation B, we've also been able to, to act as a, a sounding board to the strategy development. And um, I think this is this is what I spoke about before, is that um, when we had the, the five-year strategy cycle, um, the definition for the next five years where the, where the company wants to focus, um, employees from Generation B, from, from different parts of the business, were able to sit in on the strategy definition and give their feedback and input to um, yeah, what was being discussed. And when we look at, for example, um, when we set our sustainability strategy, um, and we did our materiality analysis. It, we also involved Generation B in um, in filling out the the sort of the questionnaire and the survey to understand what the important topics were. So, um, 
typically it is also getting a voice of, of young employees, but it's also um, yeah diverse employees. So they don't necessarily always have to be young. But I think it's a real testament to the organization that we've been able to embed this in our in our strategy setting processes um, to to really listen to the um, the opinions and the reflections and the feedback from uh, younger generations and um, employees who might not necessarily always be involved in that process. Mm, it's so inspiring, Jess. I think, um, you know, very often companies are aware of the fact that they need to engage employees. We hear about employee engagement and often it can fall into a sort of um, token activity, right? But this is an example of where you've put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, and actually gone ahead and done, done that. And I think that what's interesting, obviously, it is the whole spirit of it is to engage all employees, as you said, in an intergenerational approach. But what's particularly significant, I think, about the younger generation is that, um, as we've seen from, you know, the, the climate protests and uh, the, the sort of movement that Greta Thunberg has has um, catalyzed and accelerated, um, young the young generation have a sort of um, visceral sense of the need for us to change and to radically change the way we do business and integrate sustainability not just in an incremental way and um, young people bring that perspective and it can be disruptive right it can be um, emotional it can be challenging and I I think that it's incredibly courageous and brave of the top management and the family to create the space for that and welcome that dialogue and enable people to say how strongly they feel about things and what they'd like to ultimately see, even if it doesn't result in sort of immediate, okay, we know exactly what to do now, because as you said, it's a process. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's it's just so inspiring for, for, for me, for other companies who are out there thinking, how can I, you know, how can we actually make that shift that we're finding so difficult to to get beyond the sort of business as usual approach exactly and i mean it is often an emotional discussion and i think the beauty of having something like generation b is that it, it can be a bridge it can be a vessel where sort of both sides can really input their frustrations and and somehow because we have a, a vision of wanting to to shape a company that we want to work for once we once we bring it to this space and this kind of um yeah this vessel to discuss then then you can resolve it constructively because i mean we all know that there's a lot of tension with um younger generations and and wanting to completely shake up the status quo and i i feel the same i really feel that that drive and you know after a long week sometimes we all question if we're really doing enough but at the same time yeah the the company has existed for 100 160 years and and there's some there's some wisdom that comes with that there's some knowledge perhaps that um that can help us on that journey and i mean i've been in in many emotional debates with uh, with colleagues that i work with and, and senior managers and it always they always say at the end of the day you know they also were eco warriors of their generation and right. of course they all they also care about these topics and we we all do care about these topics so we're we're all working in the same direction and sometimes we need to we need to have these emotional debates so that we can mm. put it on the table and understand um, where the misunderstandings come from and where the opportunities lie. And I think the young generation really does feel the urgency of this more than 
perhaps we have done in the past. Uh, I think mm. there's a lot more um, publicly known science available now. I won't say new science because it's not new science, mm -hmm. but it's, it's a lot more um, yeah, widely understood now. And, um, and the younger generation has grown up with that every day in, in school and in um, their private life and with their friends and on social media. So um, yeah, there is a different feeling behind it. But in the end, it's the same goal and we have to work together to be there. There's nothing worse than a, than a senior manager saying, you know, we apologize that we messed up and uh, you're the future. You're our hope. <laughs> we need to act now like we need to act tomorrow and we need to change businesses now. So um, with Generation B, I think I think we can have this neutral space for discussion. And it's not always easy, but um, it goes in the right direction. Definitely. Right. No, it, it's it's in, it's fascinating and gives hope. And and I think that what what jumps out at me as well is the fact that you've managed to create, as I'd mentioned, this space, but it's also the authenticity. Right. So I think very often in, in business context, there can be a sense of needing to be professional and having to communicate in a certain way and certain things you just don't say and places you just don't go and it seems like Beulah has been brave enough to blow all of that out of the water and just said you know we can all be authentic in what we feel we have to say and what we feel we want to do in the company and um, my sense is that that's one of those hidden intangibles that can actually help transform a company culture and enable that innovation w would you agree? Yeah definitely and and it's a really scary thing to do um, it's a scary thing to sort of admit that maybe things in the past didn't go as they wanted to uh, as we wanted them to or to also allow a, a generation that doesn't have so much work experience to um to set strategy points or to bring up the topics that are important to them because i think our natural instinct is that you know they the, the younger generation don't have as much experience so how could they possibly set the, the strategy for for a company, for example. But once you get over that fear and once you have sort of one or two small successes, then uh, I think you gain so much momentum. And this is really what I've seen mm -hmm. with Generation B is that as individuals, we're all willing to discuss what, um, what we're scared of and um, what we need to improve on and um, yeah, how uh, how we might have been wrong in the past, but as a group, it's much more it's much more difficult to sort of um, say that. And at the beginning of Generation B, I think we had the support really of of one or two key managers who were who were willing to discuss this on a one to one level, uh, and and take a step back and allow Generation B to do uh, things themselves. And over time. As, as we proved that, that it wasn't a terrible idea and that it did bring about value for the organization, then, then this became much more easily. And then the senior managers don't just talk about it on a one-to-one on -one level with individuals, but openly in front of their entire team or um, in, in front of the company or externally as well. So I think um, as senior, senior managers, we need, you need to give yourself permission to sometimes mm -hmm take that leap um, and right. trust that, that the younger generation won't completely uh, mess it up. Right. But 
yeah but in small steps then um then that can build into something that's really quite powerful yeah that, that is so interesting that you said that because it I, I understand a bit better now that it wasn't something that happened immediately it was something where there was some that wasn't without its challenges uh, and it took some time to build up that momentum so I think exactly. that'd be useful to other companies to know it's not that you need to have that critical mass of support for it but that when you, you can gently build that and then get to a point where it can it takes on a life of its own exactly yeah I mean I always love to use the word organic um mm. The growth of Generation B was was really very organic. It's not uh, an HR strategy that was put in place one day right. that people were asked to uh, to come on board. It was something that happened over time. It was something that happened very naturally. And it was something that grew where the sunlight was. So where the energy right. was and where the conditions were right, that's where it excelled. And in other places, at times it didn't. And it waited until until the right opportunity came along. And, and it takes a lot of courage and a lot of trust to, to let that happen. Uh, sometimes in business, we're a bit impatient and we want things to move quickly. Um, but but the, genu uh, the, the being genuine and the integrity of that comes out of allowing it that time to grow naturally. Yeah, I love that metaphor. And it's interesting because it's similar to um, for, for, for you or for anybody who might be any familiar with the teal organization and the teal phenomenon which i'm sure we'll come on to in another podcast but where companies are um thinking of themselves less as machines and more as organic um yeah org organisms natural organisms that um can spontaneously sort of self-organize i think there's an element of that in what you're describing exactly. there yeah, which is which is really exciting. So I think maybe it would be interesting to dive into some of the examples of um, Bula's uh, strategy. It's it's core business strategy, which has integrated different aspects of sustainability. So we might look at a couple of those together. I'm thinking in particular of Bula has set a goal of reducing its scope one and two emissions by 60 percent by 2030 against a 2019 baseline. So that's one dimension which we could look at together and after that we might take a look as well at the the piece of the strategy that's dedicated to supporting customers in reducing their energy waste and water consumption and emissions and how that fits in with new business models and solutions and actually really integrating into the core business there does that sound okay to you we start with maybe the the goal to reduce the emissions and reflections on net positive anything that you'd like to share on how that's working in practice and what kind of solutions you guys are coming up with yeah com completely and I think it's um it's really fitting that we start with that because as I mentioned earlier right you have to you have to start with your own house keeping your own house tidy you have to start with being a role model that's that's very important for us and the whole of our sustainability strategy at, at Bula is also really underpinned by thinking what can we do as individuals? What can we do as a company? And what can we do as an industry? And I think that really helps to also explain explain our sustainability strategy and um, and what we're working on. Because um, in in 2019, we hosted um, a, a large event that we called the, the Networking Days, where we invite all of our customers to our headquarters in Woodsfield in Switzerland uh, and and talk about the important challenges that are faced that we're being faced with, and and hopefully inspire our customers a little bit. Um, 
And uh, we had a brilliant speaker, um, Sonny Vergesi, who spoke at this uh, event. And he said uh, to the audience, how many of you know your personal carbon footprint? Mm. <laughs> and this was a room full of uh, quite senior individuals and and nobody put their hand up. <laughs> Hardly anybody, including the Bula employees and uh, the Bula sort of support team that was in the room. And um this was really a, a moment for the organization where we said, OK, I'm, it starts with me. We really need to also work on the individual topic. And, and that's really also what Generation B is really um, powerful in driving. Right. Yeah. Um, but then we look at also our company. You know, what are the things that we can directly influence? What is our scope? One, two, three emissions, according to the greenhouse gas protocol. And um, this takes a lot of work, as you said, and it's what I'm working on every day. Um, and we have set in uh, 2022 this year at the, the following networking days, the external commitment to reduce 60 percent of our scope one and two emissions of the company globally um, by 2030. And the first step, of course, in our in our journey was to understand the status quo. Um, I've been working in this team for yeah, nearly two years now. So this is really where the momentum um, for the for the company measurement started. Um, and once we understood our baseline and our key levers, then we sort of said, OK, how can we act on this? And it's very important to us that we really understand the the reality of achieving these targets before we commit to them externally. Um, and understanding also the complexity and how it interacts with other parts of the organization. Um, we talk about balancing the needs of um, nature, economy and, and humanity, and and we are a business and we need to be able to invest further in the business in the future to become more sustainable. So these are the kind of discussions and alignments that we have behind the scenes in order to be able to really understand how do we achieve our commitment. Right. And maybe I, I could just... Um jump in there with to clarify for people who might be listening that Buda is a big company right you you have a lot of heavy duty manufacturing activities around the world maybe you could just give us a sense of how many countries or what that looks like because this is what you're trying to achieve is no small feat when it comes to um all of these manufacturing facilities yeah exactly so uh yeah last year we were we were 12 and a half thousand employees really all around the world uh, and we have around around 30 manufacturing sites globally, um, plus or minus that, um, yeah, that are producing machines out of steel often um, right. that we we ship around the world to our customers. So um, the turnover last year was around 2.7 billion. So we're talking about quite a large volume of um, yeah of machines that are purchased, of parts that are purchased. Um, and and some logistics behind that as well. So yeah, it's um it's it's a challenge. Um, we're also going back to partnerships, very reliant on a lot of our suppliers uh, and a lot of the the industry trends as well. For example, of the steel industry, of the um, transportation, the logistics industry. So um yeah, these are all things that that really took a while to understand um and to understand the complexity of them. And to make sure that we we had done our homework so that when we have these discussions with our suppliers, that we, we are supporting them and we're not just um, sort of measuring them. 
Yeah. Right, exactly. And there's the challenge of the scope three emissions, right? And and trying to make sure that you can get the data and I guess engage with your suppliers to help them um, understand their own footprint and reduce their own footprint over time. That's part of the journey, I guess. Exactly, yeah. I mean, scope one and two, we we have a clear plan for this. I mean, the focus is clearly on, on renewable electricity and non-fossil based heating. Uh, this is a pretty much the, the largest um, influence in our scope one and two emissions. Um, but our scope one and two emissions are much smaller than our scope three emissions. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. We yeah. talk about magnitude of, of 100,000 tonnes of CO2 compared to a million tonnes of CO2. Right. So um, it's it's really important that we that we understand these partnerships and we and we work together with um, with suppliers. And that's why, for example, you know, we, we also work with with the World Business Council for Sustainable Development, the WBCSD, because this is a large network of these these businesses that are um, also working towards these goals and can help share best practice on. I mean, first of all, how to measure uh, right. primary data of scope three. Um, and then also how to reduce it. Yeah, absolutely. So maybe we can talk a little bit about the work on the customer side, because um, if I understand correctly, you talk a lot internally about your 50-50-50 goal. Perhaps you can tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, this is really the the uh, the purposeful um, target that we have internally. Um, if you ask, I think, most employees what the sustainability target is then unless they're working in in the factory and they understand exactly our sub targets and KPIs on the on the um, operational side I mean this is the thing that we are all working towards as an organization so um based off of uh, yeah the materiality assessment that we've done and uh, you know influence also from the WBCSD and best practice our our goals where we can really have the the impact on the planet on a global scale are to reduce uh, or to have the solutions in place by 2025 to be able to reduce the energy, the waste and the water consumption in our customers value chains. So we said, uh, yeah, the magnitudes of scope one and two compared to scope three, that's also not including use of sold products. If we use it, if we Mm. look at um, these categories, use of sold products and disposal of sold products, which is actually, you know, what our what our customers are doing with our machines, where we're where we're touching the billions of people every day, then this is even higher. I mean, this is yeah. sort of forty or maybe even fifty times higher, depending on how you calculate it. So this is this is really where we can have the impact in the world. Yeah. And then if you go one step further, also outside of um, yeah the greenhouse gas protocol um, reporting, and you look at avoided emissions. Then we're talking an even larger percentage, um, an even larger number, uh, and not only emissions, but also impact on nature, impact on humanity, um, the jobs that are being created, um, the, the quality of life that people are having working with our customers. So this is why we have the 50-50-50 targets. Um, and some of that will come from um technology changes and uh, machine advances and you know new digital solutions and innovations and some of it needs to come from from systemic change and this is really how we want to support the industry and how we want to support our, our customers going forward so that's where um 
where the work of the group outside of, of manufacturing, logistics and supply chain, that's where the work is really focused. Um, and I think if you ask any of any of the employees, that's the thing that they that they are working towards and that we are uh, embedding in, in our everyday work. That's amazing. And can you give us maybe an example of what that would look like in practice in terms of, I think I remember reading about things like rather than just continuing to um, offer customers new machines that do things better, finding solutions for retrofitting existing machines. Um, but also I think there are some really interesting examples of how you're working to understand the the energy efficiency and the whole impact of a particular product in its entire value chain and all of the emission factors relating to that. So I don't know which one, which example you want to take, but perhaps just to make it a little bit more tangible yeah. for what, what does that technology innovation mean in practice here? Yeah, so there's there's really many different dimensions of it. Um, I think one really great example, if you look at um, the design of our plants and of um, machines, is is the Milli Three, and this is talking about flour milling, mm -hmm. and this is uh, an innovation in um, first of all one machine slightly changing the layout of a machine, um, but then also the overall design of the plant, because in the food industry we're often often talking about whole plant design, and through this and also through um, addition of another technology, we were able to change the the size that's required of a, of a flour mill. So we reduced the number of floors that were needed. Typically, if you think of a flour mill, you think of a very tall building. Um, but we were able to reduce this to, to three floors. And with this, you can save a lot of energy um, and uh, yeah, CO2E in the construction process of the plant um, and also you can create efficiencies in, in the running of the machines and um, yeah and the layout of the plant. So okay. um, Milli 3 I think is a is a great example of how we yeah how we've looked at it internally from a, a development and innovation perspective um, and then with our customers we we know that most of the time that the largest uh, lever for um, reducing emissions, reducing impact also on nature, is looking at the raw materials that they're processing. Mm. Uh, whether that's in the, the automotive industry and die casting or in, in the food and the feed industry. So um, it's really important to us that we look at the, the yield of, um, uh, of our machines. So improving there the, uh, the yield that customers can achieve with our machines and our technology. Um, and with this, I mean, for example, um, some of our sorters, so Sortex H, this helps to um, reduce the amount of waste, the amount of lost product through, mm. a, through a machine. So um, we're really able to advise and look at the whole picture and then um, yeah, suggest machines that can help or technologies and solutions that can help customers to improve their yield. We also look at side streams. I mean, there mm -hmm. is uh, food waste is, is such a high uh, influence factor in, in emissions in, in the world uh, and a real a real challenge that we have if we want to be able to feed the, the growing population. So um, partnerships with, for example, Vinky, um, which works in uh, biomass um, incineration and uh, burning for power generation. 
um, and being able to provide this as a solution to our customers so that, um, you know, there is something that they can do with the, the side streams or looking at, um, yeah, in, increasing the use of side streams in brewers spent grain, for example, and uh, a new um, innovation that is Circular Food Solutions, uh, a new company that's been formed out of Brula. Mm -hmm. Um, wow. So there's there's so there's so many different options, um, and I mean, what we really want to be able to do is to provide this knowledge and experience to our customers, and yeah. this is what we do with our environmental quantification service. So oh, yeah. we have a dedicated team that's working to quantify the impact of a customer's product, whether that's yeah a kilogram of flour or a kilogram of chocolate or um, wow. the end product, and uh, use the knowledge that we have. Uh, and the experience that we have from from running these machines and developing these machines to um yeah to support our customers to also go on this journey and and then provide yeah input on the right solution whether it is yeah side stream um utilization or um yeah more energy efficient machines retrofits as you mentioned i mean that's a really key part when we talk about reduction of energy consumption so and yeah, it's a it's a whole uh, a mm. map of different things, and um, I, we really have the experience, and we're developing the experience to be able to support our customers and inform them on, yeah, the best step to go forward. Yeah, I think it's it's really um, it's really impressive, and also what strikes me is that to be able to come up with all of these solutions, really, what you need is a a mindset that takes you beyond the confines of your own company, right? So I think in the past, companies maybe tended to have a blinkered view on their own piece of the value chain and what was going on within their own walls, so to speak. But I guess what we're seeing now is this trend to really develop um, in a more natural way, a holistic view of the entire um, context and value chain and the wider systems um, that we're that that a company is embedded in, and it's then that you start getting these ideas for how you could pull one lever and get a bigger effect over here, or bring about um, yeah innovation to uh, change the bigger picture. So I just think that that's particularly worth underlining because again, it goes back to culture, doesn't it? If, unless you have that culture of thinking about what's our purpose, how can we support ultimately. Um, having a positive impact on the world as well as being a financially sustainable company um, you know that that's key to achieving some of the solutions that you're talking about exactly and and it goes back to exactly what you said earlier that um that we do require in in places radical change and we do require more than just the incremental approach sometimes yeah. and to be able to do that you have to think about the bigger picture and that's exactly what we're we're doing yeah. Well, before we close, I'd love to come back to you and um, just get a sense of what's the vision for the future that's driving you? How would you see yourself and what kind of thoughts are going through your mind for the future? Oh, that's a big question. Um, I mean, to answer it on on sort of the, I guess, an, a more engineer answer or the business <laughs> answer. I, I'm really working towards seeing sustainability as a topic that is the same as finance. I mean, that is really well understood uh, and well developed uh, and and integrated into everything that we do. Um, and that definitely starts with me. I would love to see um, 
people also having the courage to to think about it from a personal perspective. So um, where you have the means to, uh, where it's possible to, to, to look not only at cost, but also at the, the actual cost of something. So mm-hmm. um, this is kind of the vision that drives me is, is having the underlying the transparency and understanding so that um, so that this this could be a reality and that, you know, it's not an additional nice to have anymore. It's something that's really embedded. Um, and. Yeah, to, to really to really see organizations have had the courage to make bold decisions about where they're working or how they're working um, so that it, it benefits uh, the planet and people, people and the planet and not just, um, yeah, their own business. I think yeah. uh, Peter Backer from the WBCSD said something about um, companies not just uh, creating um, problems so that they can then make the solutions, but actually finding finding problems that exist and solving them and turning that into your business. Um, I yeah. think that's that's really what I hope the next few years um, transitions into quickly. <laughs> Wonderful. And it's not an easy journey, right? There are times where we're on the bleeding edge rather than the leading edge, <laughs> I think. How do you deal with that? Like what's what's your go to um, strategy for when think the going gets tough? For, for me, it's people and connections. And uh, mm. often that means colleagues at work. Um, normally within our sustainability team, I mean, it's it's quite large if you consider the whole the whole company. We have a team here that works in, in manufacturing, logistics and procurement. And we have a team that works more on the customer facing side. And we exchange a lot and we work very closely. Normally when one of us is having a challenge, the other one is doing okay and is, uh, is celebrating some successes. So being able to to debate these topics with each other and to be able to sort of reassure each other that that we are working on the right thing and then also outside of work i mean also yeah uh, sustainability is is a topic that can really or should should really bleed into also your everyday life and and therefore it can become quite overwhelming so yeah mm-hmm. having, having being surrounded by the right people yeah yeah, yeah it's great and um before we close any any words of advice to either people who are making their way in the sustainability journey as individuals, like seeking to fulfill their own purpose and contribute to companies' um, positive impact, and perhaps any words that you'd like to, any advice you would have for companies wanting to go about the kind of transformation that you've been involved in? Yeah, I think I think we've mentioned it several times, but several times, but um for me, it always comes back to purpose and integrity. Um, I, I once, uh, when I was younger, worked with a, a really inspirational organisation called the Youth Sport Trust, a, a charity in in the UK. And um, the the leader of that, she she said that the most important value that she believes that one can have is is integrity. And I think I agree with that as well because then, even if you make mistakes on the way and in sustainability and the journey that we're taking, we will make mistakes on the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can only make the, the best decision uh, that you can with the knowledge you have at the time. And maybe next week you find out that knowledge is wrong. But as as long as you have integrity and you really are, are doing it for the right reasons uh, and you're not willing to compromise on that, then I think, um, yeah, it, it, we will end up in the right place if everybody takes that approach. Uh, and, and the same thing with legacy. I mean, I I grew up in London around the 2012 Olympics uh, and I went to a school in London. So 
this was a really big part of my life. And the, the key word around it that always stuck with me was legacy. What is the legacy of this game for the future generation? And mm. I think as a leader, you should always consider your legacy. If if everything falls apart once, you, once you've gone, then uh, you didn't really do your job. So always thinking about uh, how can we set up set up the processes and the, the structures and the work that leaves a positive legacy. And I think, again, to touch on points that we've already discussed, uh, trust and courage. I mean, if uh, if an organization really wants to do this, they need to, first of all, take the first step without maybe not having all of the information around them, just knowing that they're, they're trying to go in the right direction, you know, setting up that meeting to discuss the first vision or uh, starting with the data that you have to set up a KPI. I mean, sustainability is something you can never have the perfect answer. It's so multidimensional. So so just taking the courage to go in the right direction. And um, at the same time, also, uh, when when we want to engage young young people or people with a different perspective, really meaning it and thinking about the the process of it as well um i've seen a lot in the past young people being invited to to discussions but not given any context or any training or mm. uh, any uh any information even about um about what's being discussed and and then you really can't make the most out of those interactions if if you want to involve uh, new perspectives into a discussion you need to provide the the support beforehand as well so that you can make the most of that opportunity that Um, is such a good point yeah I agree Mm -hmm. um, yeah we've definitely learned that the hard way uh, and I've learned that the hard way but um but it makes such a difference it really does wonderful thank you so much really I can't thank you enough and I for one I'm going to be following your work in the future and Bula's work as well and hopefully we'll have uh, the opportunity to talk again on another podcast episode in the future. Yeah, I hope so. And uh, yeah, I'm sure our paths will cross in many other things. But thank you so yeah. much for the, for the time and the questions and the, the great discussion. It's been a pleasure.